Which vocalese band came together because of some fortuitous taxi rides? Find out next on One Dollar Vinyl. Welcome to One Dollar Vinyl, the podcast where two millennial cheapskates discover the forgotten music of the past. My name is Tess and joining me again is my co-host Kat. How are you going, Kat? Hey, I'm pretty good. What you up to? Uh, well, I am getting ready actually for an 11-year-old's birthday party that I'm attending oh, later this afternoon. <laughs> Living that hectic rock and roll Jealous. lifestyle. Yeah. <laughs> What's uh, what's involved in that? Well, she's my niece, and um, like it's not just a random eleven-year-old friend that I have. She is a <laughs> you just didn't get like a sweet hookup from <laughs> other eleven-year-olds, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's right. She has asked from my mum, her grandmother, uh, for a karaoke machine. So I'm pretty sure, oh. pretty sure we're going to my brother's house to uh, sing just karaoke with my family, which is yes. something we have never ever done before. And something that I don't know if it's going to go very well. Get ready to listen to the 11-year-old do a lot of karaoke songs that you've never heard of before. Exactly. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and and so this niece of mine, like, she, she really likes singing. And, like, in the past, um, like, if we've gone away on, on holiday on, like, a family trip, I've brought my guitar and, and she and I have, like, sung together and it's been quite nice. But, oh, like, fun. Yeah. Very, very cute. And if I do say so myself, and uh, she always suggests a song that I have to, like, learn from scratch. Like, I've never, ever heard it before. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm going to sing songs she doesn't know. She's going to song- sing songs I don't know. Yeah, you just got to – I think you got to, like, 70-30, you know, like, start off giving her the songs that she wants to sing. You know, you'll have to learn a bit of Billie Eilish or whatever – and then, uh, you know, just slowly start dripping in the good old stuff. Have you ever heard Billie Eilish? I don't think that's a real, like, karaoke song. She's just, she's <laughs> yeah, just like, really. whispering into the... <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that's a karaoke. It's going to th- be uh, an awkward party. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, I think Everyone's coming out of lockdown a bit weird anyway, so... <laughs> <laughs> just muttering, mumbling into the mic. It might happen. But my... my um, I do have a feeling that it will be the Venn diagram, like where we overlap, will probably be Disney songs. So that will oh, give true. us a good, good, strong foundation, I think. What's your karaoke Disney song? Oh, pretty much anything. Like I pr- probably, I've never actually sung it on karaoke before, but in the shower, I sing a lot of um, the first song from Beauty and the Beast and I do all the voices. Oh, yeah, yeah. I need six eggs. <laughs> That's my favourite bit. Bonjour, 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 bonjour. I like um, Ursula's uh, Little Mermaid, Poor Unfortunate Soul. Do you want to hear hear something really sad? What? So as a child, uh, one of my relatives, every single Christmas would get me like whatever Disney came out on VHS that year, whatever Disney film Mm. came out on VHS that year. And one year, she thought she was getting me The Little Mermaid, but what she was actually getting me was, like, two episodes of the TV show. Oh, that is sad. So I've only that seen The Little Mermaid once. It was never much chop, was it? It was, ugh, it was terrible. And <laughs> and so I only saw Little Mermaid once, so I don't really know the songs. No, that's a crime. Mm, that was That was the, like, that was my movie that I 
had just watched over and over and over I'm again. Jealous. And I always vibed with Ursula way more than Ariel. Oh. She's just a much better character. Oh, is she? Okay. She gets all the good songs. Well, yeah. she gets one good song. Okay. The one that, that you will sing at karaoke. Very good. Yeah. I'll whip it out one day. Okay. <laughs> Actually, we've been um, jamming out to all the kids' Halloween music <laughs> this oh. week. Yeah, well, um, it's you sort of you put on a Halloween playlist for kids and you think there's going to be a lot of good stuff. And there's Do you? a few quite good ones. You think like, well, you know, you got Monster Mash and Ghostbusters and. Sure. And Werewolf you know. Bar Mitzvah from 30 Rock. <laughs> yeah, that classic. <laughs> but there's just a lot of like production music. Well, it's not production music, but it's just stuff that's been made specifically for kids and they've just churned it out. You know what I mean? And oh, it's yeah. just like. And put like a spooky synth on it and perfectly it competent, but mm. it's not good. Um, and so um, she's been walking around the house seeing this one that goes, Halloween, it's the spookiest thing you've ever seen. <laughs> Just oh, like God. the most phoned in lyric. <laughs> but I, I actually just find it really funny. <laughs> but clearly it, it resonates with her. It's just like a formula that they've nailed. It's just like literally telling you what Halloween is, which is handy for her because she's four and she's only just figured it out. That's true. Does it talk about the history of it, All Hallows' Eve? That would be interesting. Yeah, no, I yeah, I believe that that's not appropriate for a four-year-old. <laughs> appropriate for sure. Some, some pretty gnarly stuff about what used to happen on on Sawen and and all that sort of old Scottish festivals. Well, let's be the change we want to see in the world. I actually do want to do it. Have it really dressed up in a super duper happy um, tune so that children accidentally sing along to it yeah let's do it halloween they used to have orgies and kill animals (laughs) (laughs) great idea. should we move on from halloween let's you've bought a record in today what have you got for us the album is called coming out and it is by the manhattan transfer okay so where did you find the record um just at a record fair in newtown and how much did you pay for it two dollars okay not too bad. And how much do you reckon it's worth? According to Discogs, um, the average price is around 10 bucks. Whoa. Okay. Yeah, it's pretty good, hey? <laughs> I got it for two. Well done, you. Um, can we hear it online if we want to? Uh, yep, find it on Spotify, YouTube, wherever. And also their entire disco- discography is on Spotify, as far as I can tell. All right. Let's talk about the cover of this record. I can see why you've picked it up. Uh, we've got the group, the Manhattan Transfer, there's four of them, two men and two women, um, and there's there's a lot of polyester going on here. Oh, so much polyester. <laughs> it's also the softest lens I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, Vaseline. Like the Vaseline. Lens, for sure. <laughs> I just, yeah, I hope no one are, are lights a match because... Yeah, I hope none of them smoke because is... they're all going up in flames. <laughs> um, so we've got the... Um, so the blokes are in the back. The women are in the front and everyone's kind of embracing each other. Oh, they're very close. They're all hugging each other. Yeah. Two of them are pouting. It looks like like photos that I used to take of me and my friends when we were all like in our very early 20s and like <laughs> drunk. So, so pissed. And everyone just wants to touch each other. Yeah. Bit, yeah. That's right. <laughs> and everyone like thinks that they're being models and just like pouting. Yeah, that's yeah. it. And actually, to be honest with you, you kind of get the impression that they're actually having a bit of fun. That's here. true. Yeah, yeah. It does look like genuine. They're not like the pouts aren't very front. serious. They're yeah. kind of they look like they're sort of 
putting it on a bit and yeah, having a good time. Um, they behind them, so that's that photo is sort of inset in the square in the middle, and behind them is um, like silhouettes of 1920s fancy people, like guys in tuxedos and women in gowns. Yeah, like drawn. Yeah, yeah, Not yeah. Illustrated. Illustrated. Yeah. yeah. Um, my favorite thing about that is, oh well, I've got many favorite things actually. Just purely the the contrast between the the class of the 1920s style compared to like the <laughs> uh, well it's not class that's happening the with the photo wide lapels yeah. and really ugly colors of polyester look i don't want to put too fine of a point on this but the clothes are fucking horrendous <laughs> <laughs> they do look like a nice group of people they look like they're having fun with each other but i mean even for back yeah, then this is bad and i'm also like really glad now that makeup blending is more of a thing there's some oh yeah harsh lines on that um blush on the like one of the guys as well like i feel like the guy at the back <laughs> who looks like gaston from beauty and the beast but in real life oh yeah when he's not a candle <laughs> yeah that's yeah. right <laughs> no no gaston is the like human the bad guy all oh, right yeah <laughs> i think you got no, not name? lumiere oh. <laughs> he doesn't look like a candle <laughs> jesus He's he's actually like he he looks ridiculous in this photo, okay. but he's actually like quite good Look, looking. Now I know where your head's at, but I also maintain that this guy could be a candle. If, <laughs> if he was a household object, he'd be a candle. No, um, like, let's like... flip over to the back. Oh, I wanted to tell you about it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sorry, go on. So he's got this like quite swell cleft in his chin, and they have drawn that specifically on his image in the like background <laughs> 1920s like if you look closely oh, it's right. just a bum chin <laughs> in one of oh them. yes that's the, that's some attention to detail yeah yeah i thought so <laughs> look if that's your best feature yeah uh, yeah Flaunt you know it. that's your Make trademark sure it's in there absolutely mm. i think we've said all we can say about the cover yes. um when let's take a little break when we come back we'll get stuck into this record we will review the manhattan transfers coming out here i gotta admit i'm a big fan i always want to know who's manhattan who's transferred yeah right right no that's the name of the group tim come on we have our own names so. oh yeah just like the rest of us would have well i'm janice i'm cheryl i'm tim i'm alan but you know sometimes people call me al tim and al do you do you assist him <laughs> i don't think so tim Welcome back to One Dollar Vinyl. That was a clip from a 1992 episode of Home Improvement uh, in which the Manhattan Transfer guest starred on. And that was many decades after this album coming out, uh, came out. (laughs) um, It shows you that the Manhattan Transfer, they did have a very successful and long-lived career. Yeah, they were actually really popular, um, like, after this record that we're reviewing today, they won a bunch of Grammys and they were the first group to win both Best Pop Performance and Best Jazz Performance uh, in the same year. That was 1981. Oh, that would have been a bit of a coup, actually. It's a bit yeah. of a crossover for them. Yeah. And, and their 1985 record, Vocalese, uh, got 12 nominations in total. Yeah, wow. So massively popular. Yeah, definitely. So this is one of their earliest albums, right? Yeah, that's right. This is the second album and actually that uh, art that is the background of the cover 
was just the cover of their first album. Oh, okay, good. So, so it's re-used. just to like remind everyone. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're these people. Yeah. However, they are the second group called Manhattan Transfer. Oh, really? One of one of the founding artists, the, the founding guy, Tim Hauser, mm-hmm. um, was in a group in 1969 called Manhattan Transfer with different group oh, members. Oh, okay. So it was still it was still him. It was still yeah. him, yeah. And then the way that this group – and then they broke up. Mm-hmm. And the way that this group got together was Tim Hauser was a taxi driver. One day he was driving around at one of the, the females in this group, Laurel Mass, um, and she was familiar with the original Manhattan Transfer. Uh-huh. And they just like struck up conversation and he's like, well, let's just like start it up again <laughs> and you and me will sing together. It's quite the the meat cute, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's right. And then like later on, like not that long after, another taxi like fair invited Tim to a party where he met the other female vocalist in the group, <laughs> Janice Siegel. And then her boyfriend at the time introduced <laughs> him to the the other dude, um, Alan. What's going on? I like I've got a lot of taxis in my life, and I always just have a chat with the taxi right. driver. Yeah. You're always just like, "How are you going? It's busy, you know." Like, "Good night." Yeah, how's yeah. your night? Yeah. <laughs> so, like, do you want to start a band? <laughs> <laughs> but no, that I reckon. This dude, Tim Hauser, was just like every single passenger that came in. Oh, just trying his luck? He was just like, you know, uh, I was in a a band, you know, (laughs) called Manhattan Transfer. Ever heard of it? This is your audition. How do you sing? Go. (laughs) (laughs) But then I guess he loved the name so much that he couldn't bear to have a different Yeah. Name. I guess it's a pretty good name, I guess. Like, is it though? I don't know. Is any band name a good name? Probably not. No. But it's from a book? It is from a book, yeah. It was taken from a novel, a novel by John Dos Passos. Maybe he just wanted to um, really emphasize how like literate and well-read he was. <laughs> While also, I'm going to call my band Wuthering Heights. <laughs> <laughs> but it read also- it, I've read it, cover to cover. <laughs> <laughs> I know all the words, all the things that are in Wuthering Heights. Have you heard of it? I have. <laughs> but Manhattan Transfer, like. If you were to describe a New York taxi driver in two words, what would it be? Oh, yeah. Maybe that's why he called it. Like multiple levels, I guess. He didn't call it like sticky seats and beaded seat covers. (laughs) Beaded seat covers. That's what he should have called. Shotgun that band name. The beaded seat covers. The beaded seat covers. Look, next time I'm in a taxi, I'm going to ask the driver if he wants to join my band, The Beaded Seat Covers. <laughs> what do you reckon? Should we have a listen? Yeah, let's dive in. Let's um, first listen to, well, just the first track. Uh, it's called Don't Let Go. Oh, man. I, I'm so torn about that, like, low. The bassy. <laughs> so this is a cover of... A Roy Hamilton song from 1957. Mm-hmm. Roy Hamilton um, is supposedly one of Elvis's inspirations. That's right. And you can kind of hear that in the way that this song is. They haven't done a lot to change, an awful lot to change the, the arrangement. Yeah, it's pretty close to the original. Yeah. This song was actually written by Jesse Stone, who was also known as uh, Charles Calhoun or Chuck Calhoun. Um, but he also wrote Shake, Rattle and Roll. Oh, right, yes. And he's been sort of referred to as one of the most instrumental um, 
uh, you know, people in the start of the rock and roll music. Yeah, totally. Yeah. The and start of the rock and roll music. <laughs> oh, yes, I think I've heard of that. Have you heard of it, kids? <laughs> <laughs> um, this song is, like, so catchy, like, the gospel style, like, I think really works with the layering of their voices. Their, their harmonies are really solid. Um, I just can't stop, like, bopping around. Yeah, it's really good. I, there's some like good like meaty um, horn section there. Yes. Um, I think her voice even potentially here a little bit reminds me of Mavis Staples. Oh, um, yeah. Could, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Which is, I mean, Mavis Staples is a genius, so that's yes. been quite genius. Yeah. Generous. Uh, quite generous, but, um, you know, it's it's close. And I, I do like this, like, the kind of driving bass line. It's like a train kind of effect. Yeah, totally. Um, I... I think potentially my favourite part of the song is the fact that they say, ooh-wee. Ooh-wee. Ah, <laughs> oh, shucks. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty cute, isn't it's it? It's so 50s and so charming. I yeah. love it. And even though this was like released so much later than the 50s, I just, you know, even in 2021, I can't really get enough of this song, like the original and also this cover. Yeah. And you can see, so, I mean, Manhattan Transfer, they, they really built their reputation on being a live band. Yeah, absolutely. For a while, they were like the number one live um, performers in New York. Uh, and, you know, that's a huge boon. And uh, I think that they've, in this first track, like really shown the energy that I no doubt they had on stage, which led so many people to, to want to go see them. Absolutely. Um, should we jump into the, the second track? song you want to listen to? Yeah, yeah. So this is the third track of the album and it's called Chanson d'Amour, <laughs> which is French for love song. So before I say anything, Tess, what's your opinion on this song? Kat, this song is more cheesy and more French than a raclette wheel. Like, what a contrast. Because the first time I, you know, set the needle down on this record, that very first song, I was just like, ooh, I I actually said, ooh, wee, because I was so excited about it. And then, like, the second song is also pretty good. And then we get to this song and... I was just like, what is this shit? Like, I do not get this. But get this. At the time, like in 1976, I guess, number one. It hit yeah. number one in Britain yeah. and and France. Yeah, I know. And that's quite surprising. Like, what the? What the? I, I think, you know, here, here's my theory. Okay. Okay. Number one, some form of francophilia is always in fashion. People... Okay. Love in France, yeah. I mean, why, well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but look, here, here's my theory it's a very extremely simple song. Um, and I feel like it's something that uh, if you've had a few, like maybe French champagne, oh, yeah. Um, it, you, I can absolutely see joining in on the ratatatatas. Oh, I hate that song. Um, it reminds me of a little bit of um, that song Champs de Lise. It's by Joe Dassin, 1969, and it's, you know, just super Frenchy, super catchy. Um, it's, like, culturally anthemic. Well, this Super simple, super easy. Everyone can get drunk and sing it together. But this, the original song, because every song on this record is a cover, mm. this original song was in 1958. Yes. So doesn't that predate your one? 
Uh, well, yes, it does. Yeah, yeah. The original was by um, a duo called Art and Dottie Todd. Yes. Um, who <laughs> Everyone's were... favourite. Yeah. <laughs> Art and Dottie Todd. <laughs> it's really hard to say. <laughs> um, they were American, though. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. And apparently it was promoted, no, sorry, that's not promoted by cranky um, DJs who were hating the new craze of rock and roll and so oh well this is the opposite isn't it to get into that you know that like nice wholesome nostalgia thing Mm. which kind of really like big picture is what Manhattan Transfer are really all about yeah true Mm. this song more than probably any other song of the era makes me realise truly that I will never fully understand the music landscape and the context of the 70s just in general yeah, like yeah, it's true. I, I kind of get what you were saying, like it's a kind of a backlash to this like new style. But I just, I still, even knowing that context, cannot fathom how could it could have been so popular. The, I mean, it's just so earwormy, I think. The production's kind of weird. There's like so much reverb on that saxophone. Oh, you know why? Probably. It was recorded in one take. Oh, okay. That's interesting. Yeah. I think her French pronunciation is pretty authentic and she sounds a bit like she's trying to sound like, you know, PF or one of those kind of, um, you know, French chanteuses. But look, I think this, this comment that I found on YouTube sums it up. As I am almost 70 years old now, I don't know why this song makes me so sad, so wistful for those days. I miss them. My mum, dad... Brother and sister, all gone now. Oh, I'm all by myself. Oh well. Oh well. <laughs> music is forever. Wolfski nine, sixty nine years old. God. But that's what it. I mean, it's about nostalgia. Yeah. It's about like the olden days. Well, Apparently, this song too hmm. is in the end of um, "All You Need Is Love." The Beatles song, you know, right Wait, at the end what? when there's all those songs layered in, oh, there's like green sleeves and yeah, apparently I couldn't hear it when I listened to it. Oh, well, if you read it on the internet, it's probably true. So let's just leave it at that. Case <laughs> <laughs> uh, closed. <laughs> Shall we move on to the next thing? Yes. <laughs> the next one is called SOS. It's the um, second track on the second side. Now, this is more like it. <laughs> like this. Uh, now this is a cover of a Polly Brown song. Oh, okay. Um, I don't, you can say that as though you know who she is. No, I, I've never no heard idea. Her. <laughs> no, I say, oh, okay, because I couldn't see any credits on this. I thought it might have been an original. But... Oh, no, I, no, every song is a cover. No, I, no. I had to do some digging because it's actually a B-side of one of her singles. Oh, okay. Um, and I could only find the original, like, a little bit of, like, it was, it was difficult to find. But it mm-hmm. came out in 1975. Uh, so only one year before this... Um, mm-hmm. Album came out, um, and guess who's playing on the drums? Uh, who? Tell me. Ringo Starr. Oh, interesting. He's from a little band that you might have heard of called the Beatles. Who? <laughs> <laughs> um, there's some good personnel on this song in particular, and on the record. Um, mm. On this song, you've got piano is Clarence McDonald, um, and he's played for an incredible number of musicians. Oh, okay. He's played for Ray Charles, Barbara Streisand, Ella Ooh. Fitzgerald, Justin Timberlake, oh. Aretha Franklin, James Taylor, Carole King, 
God, one of these Bosk things is not like the other one. Yeah, look, or just everyone. He's just <laughs> he's, obviously yeah. one of those gun music, um, session musicians. And you've got um, tenor sax is Jackie Kelso, who played with the famed Wrecking Crew um, group of studio musicians. And oh, yes, I have heard of them, actually. Yeah, they there's like a um, played on thousands of hit records during the 60s and 70s. I'm fairly sure there's like a Netflix documentary. There's a documentary, yeah. yeah. It's actually, it's really, really good. I recommend. I've been meaning um, to go watch it. Yeah, that everyone watches it. It's good. <laughs> Maybe I'll go watch it. Stay tuned, everyone. I'll tell you all about it. Um, but like speaking of like very um, cool people who were on the record, the whole thing um, had the musical director being Ira Newborn. So he is a... Um, a composer of like many motion picture soundtracks. So films such as 16 Candles, Weird Science, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Uncle Buck, Planes, Trains and Automobiles. That's one film, not three. I just had a weird, <laughs> weird pause there. <laughs> um, Mall Rats, Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. Um, yeah, uh, he was cool. also a uh, musical director and producer for the Blues Brothers. Um, I love that movie. He composed the soundtrack soundtrack for The Naked Gun. Oh, okay. Um, which was one of my favourite like comedy series growing up, uh, which was Leslie Nielsen. I never watched those. Oh, so like the way that that opening scene goes is like your your point of view is like behind the the flashing lights of a police car, mm-hmm. and it's just like these like horns going like. And the, the car is hey, just Hey, just so everyone knows, <laughs> no, Kat did not just pull out a trumpet. That was a very skillful uh, mouth trumpet yep. rendition. Uh, and so that you was... You shouldn't have told him. They would have thought it was. <laughs> Theatre of the mind. Um, and that was Ira Newborn. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, bringing that to the world. That's cool. I mean, that sort of makes sense to me because um, this group is a very theatrical... Um, I believe some of them got their start in musical theatre. Yeah, that's true. Um, um, uh, uh, that the guy who looks like Gaston. Yeah, right. Who yeah, has a name? Alan. Al. Alan. Alan. <laughs> Alan Paul. Yeah, sure. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's a weird thing that I'm going to try and put my finger on now about mm-hmm. this album. Is it? It's songs are so diverse. Uh-huh. It's almost like they're doing impressions of songs. Oh, <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like they're playing the parts of a this kind of singer or that kind of singer. Her voice changes. A lot, depending yeah, on what they're singing. And that one, you know, SOS, she had a really rocky voice all mm-hmm. of a sudden. Whereas, you know, um, Chanson de Moore, she sounded, you know, torch singery and it. Lots of yeah. You know, they're all kind of adaptable. They're clearly having fun with genres. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, and I just got to say, like, you know, wrapping up on this SOS track, mm. um, like, I think that this is like such a good example of like such a solid cover it's um by a a song that's not not particularly well known Mm. um but they've taken it and it's a solid song to begin with but then they've made it better so they have added they've added harmonies to it they've um changed some things in the way that um uh it has been arranged and they've lifted the song that was like not incredible but solid and turned it into a very good song. So I think it's like a really, really good cover. Yeah. Contrasted by yeah. the next song. Yeah. Going to Popsicle Toes. I don't want to do it, but we have to do it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, spoiler alert. I hate this song. I hate this song. Oh my God. I hate it. <laughs> it's just like I didn't like Chanson de Mort, but I hate this song. 
So it is a cover of a Michael Frank song? Yes. From the same year. Like, how quick is that? That's so quick. And it's very close to the original, this one. Extremely close. And it is, you know, as I said, a contrast to the previous one because it is the worst kind of cover. Like, they've they've not only, like, not added anything to it, but they have made little changes that make it work. <laughs> so, like... It's true. Like, even, even something as simple as in the um, original, there's a different kind of sound from the keys... Which is yeah. a, is it's just better. Like it, it's more. I don't have the words to describe it. I just don't it's like just, it. So I don't like the clicks that are in it as well. Yeah. Um, and the thing is, I can't. I don't actually know which male of the group is singing, but both of them are much stronger singers than this. This is not like a strong performance. Not their best. Yeah. yeah. Oh, can we talk about the lyrics as well? Oh, it's like four minutes of non-stop, like, shit innuendo. And just creepiness. It's so creepy. It's so- a, it's a, what, like a love letter or a love song, but it's, it's no, it's a sex song. It's about sex, but it's also, I think, about, so it's called Popsicle Toes, and there's um, the idea that, like, I think, um, like, women's feet are, like, often cold. Yes. But then also I think, like, this dude has a foot fetish. De- he definitely does. Yeah. yeah. And I, I was tr- trying to think of, are there any other foot fetish songs in, you know, <laughs> in the general pop music uh, landscape? I thought of possibly um, Nancy Sinatra's These Boots Are Made For Walking. Oh, do you think that's a... I reckon you'd be into that be. if you're into uh, feet. If, if someone had a foot fetish, yeah, these two songs yeah. are on the playlist. Yeah. And, you know, let's... Okay, I don't want to, like shame or yuck anyone else's yum but I just this song just like really makes me squirm Um, I think it's all the era specific references as well there's something about getting nude when he loads his pentax yeah so it goes the lyric so I wrote it down because it also (laughs) made me feel gross how come you always load your pentax when I'm in the nude it's there's something about all of it all together. It just makes and, me feel like listening to your parents talk about sex. And there's another thing about the lyrics. So so the Michael Frank version had um, has some lyrics which Manhattan Transfer, they changed. Mm-hmm. So one of them was, the original was, You must have been Miss Pennsylvania with all this pulchritude. Pop quiz, what does pulchritude mean? Don't know. Yeah, of course you don't. It means beauty. Okay. Um, And I guess, you know, Michael Frank obviously brought out the rhyming dictionary for that one. Mm -hmm. Manhattan Transfer did not have the same faith in their listenership Mm -hmm. that they would know what that means. (laughs) They were probably right too. (laughs) Yeah, correct. Yeah, that's... Very but also, incredible. I mean, I don't know, give us some cred- credit. We can get out the dictionary. We can learn something. Yeah, I can, I can take it off the shelf. <laughs> what did they change it to? They changed it to, um, so you must have been Miss Pennsylvania with your bedroom attitude. It, this is the line that I hate the most. Okay. Um, you've got the nicest North America this oh. sailor ever saw. I'd like to feel your warm Brazil and touch your Panama. Oh, excuse me while I go and vomit. Okay. That is so awful. And it's like the innuendo is nonstop and non-clever yeah it's just it's just gross i don't know if okay okay who's the sexiest singer tom jones (laughs) (laughs) 
Okay. I was going to say like <laughs> Usher or something. <laughs> Tom Jones or Usher or someone like that. Is someone really hot saying like remix this into a groove and sang it in a real, you know, sexy way. Could they make it sexy? Uh, no. Nah. No. It's just too far gone. I think so. But he didn't even try, the guy who did this. like uh, That's the other thing. Yeah, he just... Very, very thin and weak his voice was. It's like I'm going to make you think about sex without any of it being sexy. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to make you think about sex, but like <laughs> as a theoretical concept and not get your motor running at all. I'm going to get your motor, like the negative of running. Yeah. I'm I feel gonna, like the I'm gonna, engine was taken out of my car. With <laughs> <That's> <laughs> right. I'm going to drain your battery flat. You my cannot car, start. My car is up on blocks. You have, to, you have to call roadside assistance before you, you can get it going again. That's how far away we are. Ugh, from let's move on. All right. Well, that was it. That's Those are the four songs that I wanted to talk about. All right. Um, look, <laughs> let's go take a break. Yeah, let's take a Vom break. Do you want to um, have a popsicle? <laughs> I really, truly don't ever, ever again. (laughs) All right. All right. We'll be back. You better not touch my gal or I'll pop you in a kisser, pal. You better not even try or you'll be looking at a big black eye. So listen good, you stupid hood, I'll give you to a count of ten. And if you're not gone by the crack of dawn, you'll never ever eat. No, you better be discreet or you'll never ever eat solid food again. You just heard Alan Paul from the Manhattan Transfer as uh, a character, Dino Spumoni, um, on the 90s Nickelodeon cartoon, Hey Arnold. Um, Dino Spumoni, Spumoni was uh, like a recurring character yeah. that every time they were at a, a restaurant or a bar or, you know, some sort of event, he was singing and his lyrics were always excessively violent. <laughs> hey Arnold was a really good show. It was a really good show. And, um, yeah, that character got played by a few different voice actors. Uh-huh. I'm reasonably sure that that particular one from that particular episode was yeah, it sounds like Alan him. Paul. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that's what he went on to do a little bit of uh, voice acting in his later oh, career. Oh, far out. I, yeah. I did not come across that in my research. Mm. That is um, so wonderful to have found out. What did you think of this record? I think that uh, there were there are good songs and there are bad songs. I think that, look, they cut their teeth performing and there's just something really charming about the way that they've distilled that fun and energy of the performance into a studio record. Uh, it's probably mostly due to the lead singer uh, Janice Siegel and that is really illustrated by the kind of more poor performance in a song like Popsicle Toes where she didn't really have a role. Um <laughs> I feel like it must be so challenging for bands who are really good in the live setting to put that into the like the studio and it's it's really hard to capture the same magic. Like one of my my personal favorite bands from oh god probably about a decade ago. Um they're an Australian band called Ginger Safari and if you listen to their recorded music 
it's like really like super pleasant and like laid back and just kind of like there are like pan pipes and just like <laughs> it's it's just really nice and you'd listen to it to relax to it but if you go to a live show it is like bombastic and there's like multiple percussionists and the lead singer has got like so much charisma it just like oozes out of him and it's like everyone is jumping around and like sweaty and it's like so much louder totally different experience extremely different experience and you would have no idea based on their recording however the manhattan transfer have done something really difficult and been able to show that of course they're going to be a really fun live band because of what you can hear in the record yeah it is it's a confusing record to me because there's so much going on so many different styles i mean i would call it eclectic bordering on schizophrenic yeah it's and and the covers even their approach to covers yeah like you said before some of them are They've really built and then made them totally different. There's a song at the start that we didn't listen to yeah. um, called Zindi Lou, which they've actually got Dr. John in on, which is um, he's like the the guy for um, New Orleans piano. Um, and he's really – it sounds like a Dr. John song. Like I think that he's he's been pretty instrumental in mm. producing that one. And that's a super fun one. But, yeah, listening to this record without any um, experience of seeing the band live, I, I sort of can't really get a handle on, like, what their deal is. It's just so diverse. Yeah. I guess maybe that's the thing is when you're watching their show, it's it's like, oh, they're coming from here, they're coming from there, they're doing all these different and sort of styles. I bet there's costume styles. changes. Oh, yeah, 100%, yeah. yeah. Um, and I think that I agree. Like, there's they've got really strong vocal performances in most of the songs, not all, but most. Mm. Um, like, their harmonies are lovely. There's generally really good production, um, nice arrangements. But I think that if you've got a record full of covers, that all of the re- the covers need to hit it out of the park. Like, mm. you can't have a cover that's worse than the original song. Yeah, um, that's a bit unfortunate if yeah. that's... So they either have to like make it really good or put their own spin on it so it sounds a bit different. Yeah. And they for me they didn't do that enough. They did it a couple of times but not enough. Okay. Yeah. I think I you know, I can see why they were popular. I can see why this album did I think this album did pretty well. Yeah, um, it did all right. Not as good as their their um their albums coming up in, you know, their future. Yeah. And I think that what this could be is just the case of a, a very good group that's still finding themselves yeah well and I did I did read that the the producer of this record advised them to so their first album was like nostalgia heavy mm-hmm. um, like old styles of jazz and uh, rhythm and blues and stuff like that and um, for this album they said no, no no take it into the modern day a bit and do some contemporary yeah. covers um, but then the ones that were the big hits, like Chanson d'Amour, were the cheesy old style nostalgia things, and so that's their that's their foothold, that's their niche, mm. that's what they do well. Yeah. Um, so I guess that's what they sort of continued to do, the retro nostalgia. Well, you know what one of their songs was like in like I think the record two records after this, mm-hmm. it was like a reimagining of the Twilight Zone theme song <laughs> yeah they're, they're kind of weird in a really good way yeah <laughs> i think there's always going to be a time or like a, a market for retro nostalgia and it's usually in a reaction to you know so like 
whatever's you know happening in the modern day that that people are sort of frightened of yeah sure whatever's um, like pushing the boundaries people, yeah. some people are not going to like that and they want to like retreat back into comfort uh, if if this band was coming out doing exactly this fresh these days i think that they could be accused of um like elvis presleying a little bit like they're taking songs from people of color yes actually i completely agree and kind of making it safe for whitey yeah absolutely um so so they borrow like so heavily from like black american gospel from doo-wop from motown like obviously french from um cuban as well another song that we did yeah um and like going across like so many genres like jazz and pop and those really slow ballads um it's not cohesive and i also think it's not really genuine mm. But it's a lot of fun. Yeah, that's true. And like you say, I think if you were at their live shows, you'd be having a blast. Yeah. So what do you reckon, Kat? Are you going to keep this record? I think no. No? But I might look out for some of their other ones. I can see that there's potential there. I just don't think I'd enjoy playing this one again. Yeah. What I really, really liked it? some songs. Yeah. But not, yeah, not, not enough of them. of them to sort of put it on high rotation. But I kind of, yeah, like I get it, but mm. it's... Maybe just not for me. Yeah, same here. How much would you pay for it? Um, like, I personally wouldn't pay anything for it, but, like, if someone was into it, I think, like, pay three bucks. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. Ooh, quick shout-out to number one fan Damien from my work. Oh, yeah? Yep, there you go. Shout-out. Hey, Damien. Hey. <laughs> yeah, look, people wrote in, and it's, it's like, extremely encouraging because we are doing this, you know, just for fun and... We're not getting any money for it, so you know, it's not. It's, so the warm, warm and fuzzy is really is all we want. It's really nice to know that people are appreciating yeah, it. Yeah, definitely. And people from all over the world, which is very exciting. Yeah. So know that if you search for One Dollar Vinyl on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, or even email us at one dollar vinyl at gmail.com and you know tell us something nice, that we will read it and we will really love it. Rate and review us on however you listen to your podcast that actually helps the podcast get to other people's ears which is a good thing and tell your friends yes please the next week we have a yankee country music singer who somehow makes the north of the usa sound like the south uh bat mcgrath so tune in next week to hear that one and until then as the manhattan transfer say how come you always load your pentax when i'm in the nude get out of here perf go away (laughs) bye Bye. Witch. I should have done the witch. <laughs> oh, gross. Like, like um, Dickie Knee from AA Saturday. He'd just, like, come up and be like, oh, yeah, your mum would like Mr. that. Hey, Mr. Summers. <laughs> That's what your mum said. Witch.